Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. If I haven't met you, my name is Rich. I'm the pastor here, and uh, especially that goes, I suppose, for those of you joining us online. We're glad that you're here, too. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We, we believe that's true, that the Lord really is here, that no matter how cold it gets outside or, uh, or what's going on in our lives, that God meets us right where we live. That means he's with us right now, ready to speak to us, ready to help us, ready to, ready to forgive us, whatever it is that we walk in needing today. Uh, God is here. So let's bow our heads and talk to him for a moment as we begin. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to, to come together, to worship you, to sing to you, to pray to you, to listen for your spirit, speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, God, I pray that uh, for each one of us, whether we're here in the room or watching online, I pray that you would help us to have a real sense of connection with you today, that we would know that you meet us right in the middle of life, right where we live, that we don't have to like try to leave all our troubles behind or something to, to come and meet with you, but instead... God, we, we can't escape it. We just bring all of that stuff with us, all our worries, our fears, our questions, our doubts, uh, our joys, our sorrows, every bit of it, God, that we carry with us throughout the week, we bring into this moment with you. And God, I pray that you would help us to, to be open to you seeing and touching every aspect of our lives uh, so that you can heal those places where we're hurt, so you can comfort us in our grief, so you can give us peace in place of that anxiety, so you can forgive our sins and help us to walk out of here this morning knowing that we are loved by the God who made us, the God who is with us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Help us to have hearts and minds open to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Good morning. I'm glad you could join us this morning so we could all raise our voices together to praise God. Sing to the King who is coming to reign in glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring, and joy to the nations when Jesus. 
think it just got a couple degrees warmer in here. John 5, 
4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Amen. Would you join me in praying, please? Lord, we thank you for that victory that we have in you. It's not something that we just have to hope for or desire, Lord. We already have it. Because of your precious sacrifice for us, Lord, we can have and we do have victory in you. Thank you, Lord, for that fact. Thank you for that promise of victory. 
Lord, I know sometimes our lives don't feel very victorious at the moment. I know sometimes we face some things that are just crummy. And we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how it's going to work out. We have no idea. We can't see the end of it. But Lord, we can stand on the truth that we have victory in you. You've promised it in your word in so many places, Lord. Even just this morning, Lord, I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at the end. Lord, we have victory over death in the grave through you. Not even death can defeat us because of your victory. Lord, what an amazing, awesome thing that is to think. Father, I thank you for that fact. I thank you for that promise, for that assurance that nothing is happening in my life, that you aren't going to have victory over for me. Thank you, Father, for that. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine this morning. Lord, I don't know what it is, but when the sun is shining, things look different. It's still cold, <laughs> but it looks different when your sun is shining on us. Thank you, Lord, for that. And for the beauty that even the, the cold winter can have when the sun is shining. I thank you for each person that's here with us this morning. Here in this building and joining us online, maybe joining us later, Lord. I thank you for each and every one. For what they mean to you, what they mean to us as a body, as a family here at Living Hope. I thank you, Lord, for inviting each one of us here into your presence this morning. For being here and already before us. So as we came and joined each other and joined you here, Lord, we found you. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have already given Pastor Rich for us this morning. I thank you for the, the way you have spoken to him this week with the message that you have for us. And probably before this week, Lord, you've been speaking to him. May we hear from you this morning, Lord. May we hear beyond just the words that are spoken to the, the message you intend for us to, to know. And may we take that message, Lord, take it to heart. Hear it for what it is. For some of us, it may be an admonition or a challenge. For some of us, it may be encouragement and hope. Lord, whatever it is, let us hear it, not just with our ears, but with our hearts too. For all that you are, Lord, for all that you do, for just being God, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, all the blessing, all the honor, and all the praise because you, Lord, alone are worthy. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. Will the peace of the Lord be with you? Thank you so much. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. All right. While you guys are getting settled, I'm going to say something quick to those of you watching online. We're glad that you're with us, and uh, we'd love for you to drop us a comment or something where you're watching to let us know you're with us. And if, if you have something that we should be praying for you about, something private you want to communicate, uh, one way to get that to us would be to go to livinghope.info slash connect. There's a little uh, online connect card you can fill out there uh, to let us know how we can pray for you or a question we can answer for you or anything like that. And, uh, and if all of those of you in the room want to do that, you can too. Uh, or there's some little green cards on a table back there. At any time, you can just grab one and jot your note on there and, and give me your contact info so I can follow up and drop it in that box. And then uh, that way we can be praying for you, thanking God with you, whatever it might be, answering your question. If you're giving today, you can drop it in that box as well. Or you can give online at livinghope.info slash give. Yeah. Anyway, church website, give. You can give there. 
thank you to all of you who give so faithfully. We could not do what we do uh, day in and day out uh, without your uh, faithful giving. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, I don't remember what announcements we've got on the screen. Do we have the, oh, just a mention of the uh, journal again. If you didn't grab one of those, I know we've got some more out there, and we've got a lot more. So if you want one, uh, it's just a blank journal. It's just some way for you as we embark on this adventure of this new year uh, to kind of keep track of some of the things that God's been telling you or that you've been noticing. And then that gives you something to share with people when they're, uh, when they're saying, like, so what's new with you? You can say, you know what? I was just thinking the other day because you remember it more when you jot it down. Uh, last week we were talking about the Bible and how God uses it, you know, to prepare us for whatever is coming. And, and if you're reading scripture thoughtfully, prayerfully, if you're, if you're writing out a little prayer that maybe uh, flows out of that, or if you're jotting down a Bible verse that jumps out to you or something like that, or just something you're noticing throughout the day, uh, a journal is a great way to, to kind of keep track of that. So if you haven't grabbed one, there are more out there. And then uh, there's a Bible study for women on Tuesdays at 1.30 that has just started this last week. So if you missed it, missed the first session, it's okay. You can still jump in. They're going to be going for several, several weeks, and uh, they would love to have you participate. And then uh, something else that's been going since the beginning of the year is this overnight uh, emergency warming center uh, that we've had going on. Uh, we've had uh, over a dozen people uh, each night for the last week. Uh, some nights as many as 16 or 18. Uh, I can't remember how many were here last night. But, um, yeah, we're providing shelter here at the church uh, just overnight for people who need it, uh, for our neighbors who have no place else to go. So if you would like to help with that, we would love for you to, to help, um, especially if you can stay up late or get up early, uh, real early, and uh, help cover one of the overnight shifts. That 1.30 to 7 a.m. shift in particular is one of the hardest ones to, to get people who are willing to get up that early and to be here for. So um, uh, thank you. Uh, I see Tim and Marsha back here. Thank you. You guys have covered that several times. Uh, and Chris over here, thank you so much. She's worked that shift a whole bunch of times. And I'm probably missing some other people in the room that have been here overnight. Oh, yeah, Chuck's been, he just stays a whole night on Thursday nights. He's here all night. So, <clears throat> so thank you very much. And uh, if you want to join them sometime, let me know. And so this Wednesday, instead of the youth group meeting here, we're going to be roller skating at Skate World in Portage. Um, if you have... If Romeo has your number and he, you've gotten text from him before, you'll hear from him. Um, I'll remind him because, you know, it, it's a guy thing. We, anyway, I'll remind him to text you about going and, and what you need to cover and stuff like that. And then, um, and then if you aren't a part of the youth group yet and you are interested in going, um, let me know after service or let Pastor Rich know and we'll make sure you get connected with Romeo so that you can um, be part of that if you want to. Um, I'm going to roller skate so there will be plenty of entertainment, plenty to laugh at. It's hilarious. Anyway, but, um, but yeah, we're meeting there, I believe, at 6 o'clock at our regular youth group time. Thank you, Pastor Judy, because I... Totally. I, I remember you and Romeo talking about that, and I was like, yeah, sounds great. And then I totally forgot uh, to put anything in here about it. So, um, yeah, if you're not going to join them Wednesday night uh, and you want to just come here, there's a group of us for an hour that talk from 6 to 7 just right in here around a table. There's usually a dozen or so of us, and uh, we, we just talk about whatever God's been uh, saying to us, or sometimes it's questions following up from Sunday's message, um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, if, you, uh, if you'd like to join us here Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, uh, that works too. So you've got, uh, hopefully got one of these because uh, this morning's message, uh, it's not about football, but football's had me thinking about this uh, recently, especially last night as we were watching the Packers lose uh, to the 49ers. Um, I know some of you are cheering. I, I hear that. I hear that. Stacy's, Stacy's taking notes right now. Uh, who's on her, uh, her, her list? Um, but yeah, I was just thinking about how important it is, you know, to have the right people on your team and all of that, you know, and everybody does their job and every, you know, and there's no like 
And there are superstars in football, right? But none of them can do it by themselves, right? The quarterback can be fantastic, but they don't, if they don't have a good offensive line, giving them time to get that pass away or, or whatever, uh, if you don't have a good kicker scoring the field goal, right, when they need to score that field goal, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's offense, there's defense, there's the special teams, there's so many players on a football team that, and, and then the, all the coaching staff and other support staff that, uh, that are a part of making that happen. Uh, it's amazing uh, the number of people that are involved just in, putting on a game for our entertainment um, that uh, it just has me thinking about that and how in all of life, you know, as we've been, we've been thinking about this new year in terms of uh, like adventure and the adventure that God's going to be taking us on and, and who knows what's going to come this year. Um, <clears throat> we might have our plans, but we don't know for sure what's coming next. And, uh, but God wants us to be prepared for whatever it might be. Uh, he wants it to be a good adventure that we get to go on. And so that's why we talked last week about the Bible being one of those resources that he gives us, um, you know, shaping our imagination, helping us to, to look at the world the way God looks at the world. And, and we looked at different ways to get scripture into your mind and heart. Uh, this week, we're talking about the church, these companions on the journey, these other people that are traveling with you that you need if you're going to make it through this thing. This is not a solo endeavor. And the next week, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit who guides and empowers us and, and works in so many different ways. We'll, we'll get into some more detail about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives uh, still today. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking about all the different adventures that you've gone on. I mean, sure, there are solo adventures, right? There are times when you just, you hop in the car or on the motorcycle and you just go and you kind of like, I'm just going to go, it's just going to be me and the road or whatever. Or you, you hop on your kayak and you're just out by yourself on that lake or that, that river and you're just enjoying it, right? There are solo adventures, but even those have been enabled by people who helped, like, build that motorcycle or, or that kayak or uh, the people at the gas station who are going to serve you as you're, you know, stopping at the restaurant you're going to stop at, all those kinds of things. Uh, even solo adventures are usually supported by uh, other people that are helping us to, to take those adventures. But most of the time, I mean, most of the adventures worth having involve other people. Um, just this morning as I was getting dressed, I was thinking about one of them because I... I was looking for a shirt to go into this one. I was like, oh, that brown shirt in my drawer, that'll work. And I'm putting it on, and I see on the back it says, uh, Volcan de Pacaya, Guatemala. As a reminder, it's a shirt that I got when Stacy and I were in Guatemala in 2008 and climbed a volcano. And, um, you know, we didn't just hop out there and say, let's climb a volcano. Hey, hey, just the two of us. You know, we were, there were other people climbing this volcano. The trail had been marked and, and taken care of. We get up there and there are people selling chips and snacks and all kinds of things. I think, did we buy those walking sticks at the bottom, I think, that then I end up sticking in the lava and lighting on fire? Anyway, it was all kinds of fun, but we didn't do it just ourselves, right? I mean, it was enabled and supported by people around us helping it to happen. And most adventures are that way. Uh, we need people around us. And the church can be that for you. The church can be that group of people. I'm not, when I say church, I know some of us think like, oh, the institution, right? Or we think of like the Roman Catholic Church, or we think of some big building, or we think of something like that. That's not what we're talking about. When I say church, I'm talking about what the, what the Bible means by church, which is the people. The people who are called together, who are knit together by God's Holy Spirit to form the, the body of Christ, to, to be God's people in the world, to, um, to be on God's mission and to be, you know, on this adventure with God, doing what God would have us to do. Um, now, the word church doesn't appear very often in the, the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story is about Jesus. In fact, only Matthew's Gospel uses the word, and, uh, and Jesus only mentions it in two different places. Uh, in the one we're about to look at in Matthew 16, and then in Matthew 18. Um, in Matthew 16, he says, uh, well, he's with his disciples. They've gone to Caesarea Philippi, this Roman outpost uh, where there's this, uh, <laughs> this uh, there was a, 
there were these temples to these um, pagan gods, including the god Pan. And if you read about that, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, that's not the kind of place that uh, nice Jewish boys would go to. Um, but Jesus has gone there with his disciples, and he's asking them, like, so who do people say that I am? And they're like, oh, some people think you're one of the prophets come back from the dead, or you're, you know, Elijah or one of those. And, well, who do you say that I am? And uh, Simon speaks up and says, well, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bingo. You know, we didn't say bingo, but you know, that's what he meant. <laughs> Your heavenly father's revealed this to you. And he, so he says, you're going to be called Peter, which means rock. And then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. You, maybe you've heard that phrase before. On this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of, the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, um, you know, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, they look at that and they say, yep, on the, on the authority of Peter and his, you know, authority, he's, he's that rock and the whole church is kind of based on him and he was the first bishop of Rome and that's where Rome gets authority and all this. You know, they take it that direction. Most Protestant churches, which were on that branch of the family tree, uh, look at it, know it's his confession of Christ as, you know, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, recognizing Jesus for who he is, putting our trust in him, that that's the rock that Jesus is building his church on. Um, I just want to point out that Jesus says that I will build my church. You know, he says, I'm going to do this. Um, so, Rich, you know, it's not up to you to build, build a church. You know, pastor out there, church board, it's not up to you to, like, build a church. Uh, yeah, we can do the things we can do to, like, try to gather people together and get them connected and, and be about God's work in the world. But Jesus is the one who builds, builds his church, his, his community of people. And he says, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I don't know how you think about that phrase, uh, like the gates of hell or the gates of Hades won't overcome it. Hades is just that Greek word for like the place of the dead. And, uh, and it may be intentional that Jesus was saying this in Caesarea Philippi because right where that temple to Pan and some other gods was, there was a, this big cavern with this uh, water inside it that back then, there's been an earthquake since then, it's shifted the, the waterways and, and no longer flows from there, but water would flow from this cave and the water inside the cave, no one had ever measured how deep it was. And they suspected that this was, they called this the gates of Hades, uh, this place where Jesus may have been. He might have been standing right there and looking at, you know, with his disciples like, whew, you know, look at, look at the, what's going on in the world. This, this is the people that I'm calling you to. It's on this rock. It's in this kind of a place. It's for people like this that I'll build my church, people who need to know that God loves them. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. One of the things they would do in their, they would throw a sacrifice into that pool, and if it just vanished, they would assume, okay, the gods have accepted it. Uh, but if they saw blood or other things coming out of the pool, like, oh, nope, the gods have rejected it. And they had all kinds of ideas about this. I think, you know, that, that's gone. That's just a ruin. That's just a place that people visit now uh, and take pictures and stuff. Well, God's church still exists and is still making a difference in the world all around the world. The gates of Hades were not more powerful than, than Christ's church. And the, the gates of, or, or the way that most churches look at that, the gates of Hades, that would be the Hades, the place of the dead, and the gates of those, you know, gates that you lock to keep people in or to keep people out, and Jesus is saying, well, no, the church is going to, church is going to cross that boundary, you know, uh, death is not going not to win over my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome the church. Jesus storms the grave when he dies and, and rises again. Um, he sets people free from death and the fear of death. And, and all of us who trust and follow him, uh, there's not a single one of us that the, the gates of Hades will trap us behind those doors. You know, he's going to give us life eternal. Uh, Jesus will build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it.
Um, sometimes I think we get this picture like, and, and for good reason, uh, in different seasons of the, the church's history and, and the church some places in the world is, has viewed itself more as like, uh, and one of the metaphors that have been used for the church at different times is that of the ark, Noah's ark, you know, that protected Noah and his family and these animals through this great judgment, through this great flood. And some uh, church theologians down through the years have seen the church as like, it's kind of like the ark, protecting people from the evils uh, outside and protecting people from God's judgment and that sort of thing. Um, and if you need church to be that safe place, it, it can be. You know, church can be the place where you know Here's a place where I don't have to worry, are these people going to mock me? Are these people going to reject me because of the questions that I have or because of what I'm going through? You know, the church can be a safe place for people to ask questions, to express doubts, to say, I don't know if I really believe all this, I'm, but I, I know there's something. and I'm, I'm questioning, I'm, I'm searching, I'm trying to find the truth. You know, the church can be a, a safe place for people who need that, but, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's, seeing, Jesus, he's seeing the church as, as on offense, right? <laughs> The church as, as moving, as on a mission, uh, rescuing people who otherwise might see themselves trapped by, by hell, by Hades, storming the gates, breaking them down, <laughs> setting people free. So, Jesus does end up building his church uh, from people from every background, every nation, uh, all over. And there's a passage here from Ephesians chapter 2 uh, where the Apostle Paul, writing to these Christians in one of these Roman outposts, says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. So he's, he's got this picture of like, you know, we're, we're being built, right? And Jesus is the cornerstone and the whole foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's going, reaching back to their teachings, right? Like the Bible that we talked about last week. Say so we can build a life on this. It says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I already said we're going to talk about God's spirit next week uh, in, in greater detail. But it's, it's God's spirit that, that binds us together, that builds us into this temple. It's, it's God's spirit that when you, when you sit here on a Sunday morning and you feel like God is tugging at your heart about something, or when you're walking down the road and you see something and, and you feel like God's speaking, to you, that's God's Holy Spirit at work in your life. That's God's Holy Spirit guiding you pulling you toward, drawing you toward him, helping you to see yourself the way you really are, helping you to know that God's grace is available. If we will just turn to him, he can forgive us and help us. And when we do, it's God's Holy Spirit that tells us, you, know, you really are God's child. He's adopted you into his family. You don't have to wonder if God loves you. He does. He's with you. That's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. And that spirit lives within us as the church, as his people, as we move through the world, as we do his work, it's God's Holy Spirit at work through you, through us. Now, the church was born um, back in Acts chapter 2. We see this moment where, um, where kind of the church kicks off. Uh, the book of Acts is all about that. We looked at that some uh, last year. Uh, and there's this moment near the beginning in, in chapter 2 where uh, the Holy Spirit's been poured out in this amazing way, and there's all this kind of miraculous stuff going on, and all these people who had gathered in Jerusalem uh, for this festival uh, are trying to figure out what's happening. And, and Peter stands up. And uh, he's never been afraid to open his mouth, whether it was there with Jesus saying, well, you're the Messiah, or whether it's now in front of a big crowd, and he stands up and tells them, look, guys, here's what's going on. Uh, God sent his son Jesus to lead us and to be the anointed one, the king, the Messiah, and you rejected him. You handed him over to Rome to be crucified, but God raised him from the dead, and he is the Messiah. And everyone's like, oh, man, what do we do with this? 
Did we blow it? Did we miss it? God sent his Messiah and we killed him? What's going to happen? And here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then it goes on to describe what their life looked like together. This is kind of a picture of what life in this baby church looked like. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to know, hey, tell us more about Jesus. What did he teach? What did he say? What did he do? We want to, we want to know about this Messiah that we, we missed out on, you know, but, but whom God has raised from the dead. Tell us more about this, this Jesus and the life that he has for us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to each other, to being a part of a community. None of them said, okay, great. Oh, my sins are forgiven. Whew. See you guys. I'm just going to go do my own thing. You know, they realized like, no, we have, we're part of a family now. We've got brothers and sisters. We, we need each other. They were devoted to that. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And breaking of bread is kind of this uh, ambiguous term. It could just mean like eating together, or it could mean like what we're going to celebrate later, the breaking of bread in the sacrament of communion, remembering Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, that he gave his life for us, that he met us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our death, so that our lives and even so our death could be transformed by his life. They broke bread together, and they, and they prayed. They talked to God. They prayed for each other. They thanked God for all of his good gifts. They shared with God the things that they needed. And God answered prayer through each other. That's, that's what we see. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they, they're like kind of formally worshiping in the temple courts and learning there. They're meeting together in their homes, sharing life together, even sharing their stuff because they recognize, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're in need, I, I can help. They did these things, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. That last, those last couple of words caught me this morning, just this morning, as I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, this isn't just being saved. doesn't just mean, yep, they got their sins forgiven. They're going to go to heaven someday. But they were being saved. As they put their trust in Jesus, they were being saved from a life of who knows what. <laughs> we all come from different backgrounds, different places, different things that we get stuck in, different messes that we make of our lives, different damage we do to ourselves and to others. They're being saved from a life where they could kind of just live life for them. And they were being saved into this new life where life isn't about me. It's about God and his amazing love for me. It's about the people that he surrounded me with. It's about being a part of God's mission here in the world. They're being saved out of an old way of life, into a new life together that's, that's marked by love. Jesus said that love would be the, the, I didn't include this verse in here, but that love would be the way that, that his disciples would be known. He said, this is how people will recognize you as my disciples if you love each other. What I did put in here was Jesus, uh, his answer when people said, well, what's the most important thing of all these expectations that God has for us, all the commands he's given us in scripture, what's the most important? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The most important thing you can do with your life is to love God, to, to give your life back to God as, a, as an act of worship, saying, thank you, God. You gave me life. I'll give my life back to you. You gave your life for me to free me from the bondage of sin. 
God, thank you. I mean, you've purchased me. I belong to you. I'm going to love you with all that I am. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second, he said, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, that person next to you, who's, especially when you see them in need. And that's how he illustrated it, right? Some of you might remember when somebody, when he, somebody asked him then, well, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? What's this mean? He told that story about the guy who'd been robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And, and the priest came by and didn't help. And the, uh, the Levite came by and didn't help. And then the Samaritan came by, and nobody likes Samaritans. You know, they're never the hero of the story. Uh, the Samaritan is the one who it says was moved with compassion and stopped and bandaged the guy's wounds and put him on his donkey, took him to, to a safe place and cared for his needs. And Jesus asks, who was, so who was the neighbor in this story? He's like, well, the, the person who had mercy, the person who took pity on him. And he says, yeah, be like that. Loving your neighbor as yourself means seeing a neighbor in need and, and moving to help. It doesn't just mean having nice, warm feelings about them. And Jesus says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything God expects of us boils down to these two things. Love God with all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the kind of life that we are saved into. It's the kind of life that being a part of the church helps us actually live out. Right? Because, again, if, if we don't get together sometimes and, like, be reminded of what Scripture says, if we don't get together sometimes and be inspired by the example of someone else and the way they're living it out, uh, if, if all we do is go through life and go to work or go to school or just do the things that we do and, and we just see all the other things that enter our brains through TV or through friends or through work and all that kind of stuff, we see all kinds of other examples, all kinds of other ways we can live our lives that don't necessarily come down to loving God or loving our neighbors. Often it's just all about loving me. <laughs> and we need the church to remind us that, hey, that's, that's not what life's all about, you know. You are already loved, and because you are loved, you can love God and you can love others. You can receive love. You can give love because God first loved you. Um, we sum that up here at our church on the, on the front of the bulletin every time. It, it's way down at the bottom. I should probably make that bigger, huh? Way down at the bottom under the church's name. It says connecting with God, each other, in a world that needs God's love. Um, since we started this church back ooh, 20, almost 24 years ago now, um, that's how we've been thinking about it. Like that's, that's what we're trying to do as, as this expression of God's church that meets here as Living Hope Community Church, that we're here to help connect with God. You know, we, want to, we want to be connected with him. We want to love him. We want to encounter him. We want to hear from him and respond to him. And we want to get connected with each other. You know, we want to know each other. We want, we want you to know each other. You know? We want you to know each other well enough that somebody's going to care when you go missing. You know, someone's going to care when you are down. They're going to ask you, like, hey, you okay? You doing all right? You, you seem like you're not yourself today. They're going to help catch you when you start to go off track. They're going to, they're going to call to find out how you are. They're going to connect with each other and be connected to God's mission in the world. The people we're surrounded with who need to know that they're loved by God. This is, this is what the church is about. It's why we need to make sure we've got the right people on our team. Um, because none of us can do it all, Right? This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us. It gives us all different gifts. Uh, we're all unique individuals, and God's given you some strengths that he hasn't given to me. Uh, he's given me some strengths he hasn't given to you. We're all able to do different things well. And as we do those things that we can do, that God enables us to do, then the body of Christ is built up. The, the, the church is able to, to fulfill its mission. Um, <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 10, we, we looked at this too. I'm, I'm, this is kind of a... If you were with us last year as we journeyed through the Bible, most of these verses I'm grabbing from places that we already saw. So this is not brand new information to you. This is just a reminder of like, oh yeah, remember when we read this? 
In Hebrews chapter 10, it said, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Talking about entering into God's presence. It says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. It's this reference back again to, to baptism. It's one of the things the church can do for you, by the way, uh, is the sacraments of baptism, holy communion. Baptism is this mark of entry into God's people, into the family of God that reminds us that our sins are washed away, that we don't have to walk through life carrying those things with us anymore, feeling like we're stained or marked by our past, by our past failures, by our past sins. No, every single one of us are washed clean. We can have a, a clear conscience as we approach God because of Jesus. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then here's the part I want to highlight today. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but in encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We need this. I need this. All right? I, don't, I was about to say, I don't know if you need this, but I do. But I know that you need this. We, we all need this. We all need moments where we come together, moments where we are encouraging each other, where people are spurring us on toward love and good deeds, not letting us just kind of sit back and say, like, yeah, I'm good. Like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. There's somebody that needs love right in front of you. There's somebody in need. There's somebody, you know, you got to forgive that person. you got to be kind to that person. This person needs, needs you. In fact, Scripture is, scripture is filled with uh, examples of what we need each other for and what we're supposed to do for each other. Uh, I just included a small sample uh, there in your notes, uh, little excerpts. John 13, uh, this is actually where Jesus talks about love being the mark of his disciples. He says, love one another. He goes on to say, love each other as I have loved you. Which kind of raises the bar on that one, doesn't it? We have to love each other. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Doesn't mean you're not all singing the same notes. It's not melody, but harmony, right? We we get along together, even in the midst of differences. Accept one another. Serve one another humbly in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another and build each other up. Uh, You know, let me back up. Forgive one another. Sorry. Uh, The church is supposed to be a place where we can practice some of these things so that we can do them better outside the church. It's kind of how I think about it, right? I mean, forgiving each other in the church should be a lot easier, right? Uh, Because you know, okay, this person didn't mean to hurt me. This person's a brother or sister in Christ. Okay, Uh, I can at least assume some good motives on their part, you know. And uh, okay, so we can practice this hard work of, of forgiving each other. Because Christ is going to require us to then forgive other people, you know, who hurt us, who may be just totally malicious, you know, who might have not had any good intentions at all. But one of the marks of us as Christians is people who forgive other people, who don't hold grudges, who find ways to extend grace. So we do these things in the church kind of as practice so we can do them better in the rest of life. Uh, Encourage one another and build each other up. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's a tough one right there. Be sympathetic and, again, love one another. And this is just a small sample of dozens of things that Scripture says. Man, if, you're, if you try to go it alone, I don't know how you do these things, right? If you try to do life, just, it's just me and Jesus, right? I mean, I've, Jesus died for me and for my sins. He's forgiven my sins. Whew, awesome. 
I don't really need all these other entanglements. I don't necessarily need to involve myself with these. I mean, these people get on my nerves, you know. I mean, that one especially, right? Uh, and so I don't want to be around them all the time. I want to, you know, just for my own sense of peace and all that, I'm just going to kind of go on my own, do my own thing. And that, that doesn't work. You miss out on so much of what Christ created you for, of what he wants for you. If you don't do life together, we might be tempted to go it alone. I shouldn't say might be. Most of us are at some point tempted to just go it alone. You know, I don't want to open up to anybody about this secret temptation or sin. I don't want to have to admit this fault to anybody else. I want them to still think nice of me. And so as long as I keep them out here at arm's length, they'll still think I'm a decent person. If I let them get close enough, they'll see all my flaws. (laughs) We're tempted to go it alone, but we're not built for that. And God didn't make us to be alone. Way back in Genesis, he says it's not good for this human being to be alone. He creates us for community. He saved you to be part of a family. We just can't do it. It would be like a quarterback getting out there and trying to play the game all by themselves. Snap it to themselves, pass it to themselves, run it into the end zone by themselves. It just, it's ridiculous. All right? Life will not let you go it alone. Not if you want to follow Jesus. Um, it just is just too hard. All right? Uh, you won't make it on your own. I wouldn't make it on my own. We need each other. And, and for me, the best illustration of that in, in Scripture is the story in Mark chapter 2 that I put there at the end of your notes. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. So soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. So you can picture it, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's standing room only. There's no room. Uh, if someone's got to get to the bathroom, they got to say, man, you just got to hold it, man. You're not going to be able to get through that crowd to get to, the, you know, it is it's packed. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. It's kind of a ridiculous image, but it's what they did. They were desperate to get their friend to Jesus because they knew, they had faith. Boy, if we can get our friend to Jesus, he can be healed. I mean, his life can be changed, and he's been paralyzed on this mat for too long. And so if the crowd won't get out of the way, we're going we're gonna to dig a hole in the roof. We're going to do something. And they do. And they get their friend to Jesus. And it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I don't know if that's what the friends were going for, but that's what Jesus did for him. He didn't just heal his body, which he did. I mean, then it says, he turns to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat, go home, and he does. I mean, he ends up healed and whole, but not just physically, but spiritually. Like as a whole person, his whole, his whole humanity is changed by this encounter with Jesus. And it's all because he had friends willing to get him there. Seeing their faith. It, this paralyzed man might have run out of faith. We, we don't know. It doesn't say seeing his faith. So seeing their faith, Jesus forgives and heals this man. There are times in our lives where we are so beat up, beat down, we're so, so past the end of our rope that we just we can't get ourselves there. We need people in our lives who will say, hey, man, don't give up. You are still loved. <laughs> let's, let's get you to Jesus. People who will pray for you, who will encourage you, who will spur you on, who will not let you stop, who will not let you quit. 
people who will get you to Jesus no matter what so that Jesus can heal whatever is broken, so he can give you the strength that you need so that his grace can be poured into your life. Each one of us at some point in our lives are going to end up on that mat needing someone to get us to Jesus. Just like each one of us at some point are going to need to pick up one of those corners and help somebody else get there. If we're going to live the, the fullness of this adventure, the fullness of this life that God has for us, it's got to include other people. We've got to, to find a way to open ourselves up. And, and I don't know how you're going to do that. Maybe you're going to take some baby steps. There's going to be somebody you've met here on a Sunday morning, and you're like, okay, they seem half normal. I, I could maybe, you know, get to know them a little better, and you invite them to lunch, or you, you know, or you, you know, decide just to have a conversation with them after church, and you look for them on a few Sundays in a row, and then you sit with them, and then you, you know, at some point you start to kind of open your life up to them. Maybe you get involved in a Bible study on Wednesday nights or one of the other ones, and, and you get to know some people there, and you begin to, to practice some of these things, practice opening up, practice being honest, practice asking someone else to pray for you. You got to do something. You cannot do it alone. Some of you probably already have some people in your lives that you know, man, these people have been wanting to pray for me, wanting to, they've been encouraging me over the years, and I've just kind of been kind of keeping them at arm's length. Maybe today is the day that you respond to that text finally or that email and say, hey, you know what, I, I would like to get together. Or, hey, you know what, there is a way you could pray for me. Or something. To, to open yourself up. Because this is the, <laughs> this is the great adventure that, that God has for us. It includes other people. This is, I'm thinking back again to those verses about us being built together into this temple where God lives by his spirit. We experience the life of God and the presence of God together with each other. I can't say how many times on a Wednesday night when we've been here talking and somebody mentioned some issue they're having and, uh, and it's not anything that comes from me, uh, but it's something that comes from one of the other people sitting around the tables that they share, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know what? I had something like that happen a few years ago too and here's, what, here's how God helped me. Or some Bible verse that someone comes up with um, that pops into their head and they share it and the other person now has got a little more hope. So when we do these things together, that we experience the life of God in all of its fullness, everything that he's saved us for, I hope that you will uh, allow yourself to be a part of it. Let's, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Let's, let's pray to him before we celebrate communion together. God, we are so grateful that you don't just uh, throw us out there on the field by ourselves uh, and tell us to go for it, uh, but you surround us with brothers and sisters, teammates, uh, fellow companions on the journey who help us, who encourage us, who pray for us, who support us, who, who help meet our needs, who are uh, instrumental in answering our prayers. And thank you, God, that we get to do this for each other, that you get to work through each one of us Sometimes we are the one being used to answer a prayer or to offer the encouragement or to help a friend get themselves to Jesus when they don't have the strength or the faith to get themselves there. Thank you, God. Help us. Help us to break out of the mentality that says we just got to do it on our own. Help us to get past that, that feeling like we we got to hide uh, our our failures or, or even hide our successes, God, that we got to hide parts of who we are 
from each other. Help us, God. By your spirit at work in our minds and hearts, help us to imagine our lives differently. That we can see ourselves as part of this amazing church uh, around the world, gathering people together from every nation, every language, every people group, every social, economic group. All of us gathered together. Your Holy Spirit alive in us. Each of us offering you the gifts that you've given us. And seeing your good work being done through us in the world. We are so grateful, God. Thank you. Thank you for for seeing ordinary messed up people like us and seeing the the potential there that, that you created in us. The potential for beauty, the potential for good. Help us to see it in ourselves and help us to see it in each other, God, and to call it out. Thank you. That out of love for us, when we had made such a horrible mess of these lives you'd given us, uh, when we had lived just selfishly, damaging ourselves and the people around us, you did not reject us, condemn us, but instead you sent your son Jesus right into the middle of our mess to shine your light in our darkness, to bring your healing to our brokenness, to take our sin on himself and including the the wages of sin, which is death. Jesus, you went all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave for us. You held nothing back. Thank you for loving us that much. And thank you that this isn't just some memorial of your death, remembering your sacrifice, but this is a celebration of your victory as you conquered the powers of sin and death and the devil by your death and resurrection. You are alive today. You are with us today by your Holy Spirit that is speaking to us right now, drawing us to yourself, helping us as we approach your table, as we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. God, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we would meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body, in his blood. God, we come today um, led by your Holy Spirit to turn from our sin, to acknowledge to you today that, that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We've not lived the, the, the life of Christian community that, uh, that we could. It's your Holy Spirit that helps us to acknowledge our failures and our need of your grace. And it's your Holy Spirit that speaks to us now and reminds us that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. It's your Spirit that reminds us that Scripture says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You do, in fact, wash us and make us clean. And you invite us to come and to receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. So we offer you ourselves today, God, grateful for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ and eager to experience your transforming grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion here. I've asked uh, Pastor Judy if she'd help me to serve this morning. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And uh, as you're ready, come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the cup and eat it. And then you can return to your seats. This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are hungry to experience his grace, uh, who recognize that, that we need him. So let's, let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks today.
Thank you again, Lord Jesus, for giving all of yourself to us and holding nothing back. Now we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of Christ, so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, carrying to others the grace that you have given to us today. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.